Once was a land of woe and strife Where the people were bereft of hope They prayed to their gods of might and light To deliver the heroes of old Instead they got Heroes, did you hear the quotes in my voice of moral ambiguity? They may help or may not help you at all, depends on what's in it for them. They kick and they punch and they maul and they smash, they lie and they scheme and they burn and they slash, succeed or fail, it adds to the tale, dungeons and debacles starts now. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Debacles podcast. I am your host and Dungeon Master, Kevin. Going around the table, Shane. That's me playing Alexander the Bard slash Wizard. And Blake. Hi, I'm Blake, and I'm playing the Eldritch Knight slash Wizard, Juliet. So, as you may have noticed, uh, this episode is just going to be uh, Alexander and Juliet uh, breaking the number one rule of Dungeons and Dragons, which is do not split the party. We're recording this episode separately because it's going to be mostly between uh, Juliet and Alexander and their adventures in education. So where we found ourselves uh, last time on the podcast is you guys uh, made it to the uh, Isle of Insight, uh, went through like a little orientation of, you know, what to uh, expect at the tower. You're at the tower, and uh, the tiefling dean uh, that you have just met, uh, Cirrus Juran, has given this big speech about what you can expect at the tower, and um, basically um, how you're going to be an expert in all things, uh, including in magic when you leave here. He, uh, after this speech, uh, motions you to go inside the doors of the tower. So... Uh, you go inside, and the entryway is impressive. Uh, there's couches and chairs and huge fireplaces. Uh, the interior is this uh, rich stained wood. And uh, on the uh, the floors and the walls and the ceilings, um, you see about 20 people walking uh, here and there um, around inside this place. And uh, mostly they're going um, to uh, the large elevator that's on this floor. So Juran gathers you together and says, this way, please, to the elevator. And uh, you get to the elevator, and um, after a while, um, somebody had already gotten on it, and uh, the door is open again. And uh, the inside of this elevator is huge. Uh, There's a circular platform inside with a diameter of at least 30 feet. And he ushers each of you inside, and uh, he says... uh, to activate the elevator, you'll first need to say the floor and then the password to enter that floor. As you're all first-year students, you will have limited access to the tower. You will have access to the novice classrooms and laboratories and the first floor of the library. First, we will begin with uh, the novice classroom floor. If the elevator is occupied by more than one person, you must state your intention to the other passengers. Passengers with higher privileges must allow the lower privilege riders to state their floor and password and wait until they disembark before calling a floor and password. Those who do not follow this protocol will be punished. Listen and take note. And then the uh, tiefling says, 10, cantrip. And the elevator begins to rise. After a few seconds, it stops and opens out into a uh, long hallway. 
that uh, appears to be circular. Juran says, we're on floor 10. This is where you'll begin your studies. As you progress in your skills, you also progress further up the tower until you reach the 20th level. We will teach you no further at that point, and your studies will be left up to you. All floors above the 10th and below the lobby are off limits to you. Infractions will result in severe punishment and possible expulsion. Do I make myself clear? Yep. Uh, and then the rest of the re, uh, students respond, yes. And then he says, good. Make your way to the first flo- uh, door on the left and take a seat. So uh, you all fall down to this room and go inside. Um, the room's small and has desks for about 20 people. There's a red-haired woman, uh, he's a human, in her later years at the front of the room who waits for you to take your seats. You can see she's taking measure of all the students that enter the classroom. Uh, you two give me a perception check. Got it. Yep. Good old four. You got a four, I got a five. Massive all those ten. beautiful descriptions just wasted away. Okay, so with a four and a five, you don't really notice anything. That's a ten, good sir. I thought you rolled a four. Passive takes over uh, uh, regular. Well, you still don't miss. Yeah. You, you still don't um, see it. What's your passive, uh, Juliet? <laughs> I think it's ten as well. So uh, as you all take uh, your seats, um, the woman says, I'm Master Enchanter Harriet Klein. I'm your first year magical theory and calligraphy teacher. Over the next six months, we'll be getting rid of all your wrong assumptions on how magic works and the proper techniques and basic components of casting spells, be it somatic, verbal, or material. I will teach you how to pronunciate, be it verbal or with your hands, and the proper way to use components. I will teach you how to tell madrum from rosemary so you don't get cheated at your local herbalist or picking it in the wild. I'll also train your hand in writing and copy magical script. In front of each of you are the books we will be studying in your first year. There is Reynard's Magical Primer that will teach you about the theory of magic and somatic technique, as well as Tomac's Guide to Magical Handwriting, which will teach you about spell writing and scrolls. And last but certainly not least, your first year insight spell book that contains all the spells you will be learning for the next three years. I will give you only one warning. Do not try to use any of these spells if you don't understand them. If you don't understand them and try to cast them, it could be dangerous, and we will learn about it. I know it's difficult not to read on, but it is for your protection and a test of your discipline. The results can be extremely dangerous if you try to cast above your knowledge. And if someone gets hurt, or we find out you're casting something that you shouldn't, you will be punished and possibly expelled. So, uh, you two give me a wisdom check. Oh, I don't yep. know. Hey. 11. Or, uh, Six. or uh, you can give me an intelligence check too if you'd like. Oh god. I would like to, since it's one point higher than my wisdom. Nice, look at that. 16 and a 21. 21. Alright, so for um, you just realize that for all intents and purposes, 
you now have a spell book that contains all known cantrips, first and second level spells. You guess there are other spell books for other students on other levels or in the library that have all the spells as well for all the different levels. Makes sense. So you just got all the first, second, and third, and uh, can all the cantrips first and second level spells, and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> well, here's the thing: do we get to keep the spell book? That would be the ultimate question, because writing that stuff down is going to be expensive and. Well, I'm sure they don't look very kindly upon stealing textbooks. Um, well, she just said that it is your spellbook. See, but they say that with Apple iPhones and stuff, too. <laughs> do, you, do you think this spellbook has, like, after three years, it starts throttling itself? <laughs> no, it's just that they release new editions every couple of years so that the students have to keep buying new ones. You know. <laughs> Who is that? I'm not actually here. This is out of character. God. <laughs> get, get out of this one. <laughs> John is uh, lurking in the uh, the channel listening. Couldn't help it. All right. So Klein says, uh, the journey of a thousand leagues begins with but a step. Shall we begin? She says rhetorically. She starts uh, droning on and on and on about magical theory and where magic comes from. And then she starts like, you know, writing on the board, like these different hand motions and, you know, how to write um, magic, which is remarkably kind of like cursive. No one understands it. Shane and Juliet, give me a uh, perception check. Yep. Low rollers. Here we go. Nine. And Alexander got a 14. Alexander, you feel like somebody's watching you. You turn around and see the older human teen uh, looking at you, and he. Kinda, How much older? Uh, he's the uh, the attractive boy that was hitting on the uh, drow. Okay. So uh, he gives you like this, like bro nod. I guess I nod back. Throughout like uh, the next six hours, as this uh, woman's uh, talking, you look over every now and then, and you see him looking at you, and he gives you that bro nod again. So, um, class wraps up for the day and she lets you go. And, uh, as you get on the elevator to the lobby and, uh, you were told you just had to say lobby because that's like, everybody has access to that. You hear some of the other students talking about class and some of them talking about how boring it was and how they already knew everything they were taught today. And, uh, as you exit the building, uh, that older boy, uh, Thomas Flynn, comes up to Alexander and says, uh, Hey, Fennel. That's your name, right? Yep. What do you want? Uh, well, how's it going? Pretty good. Class boring. You? I know, right? She just drone on and on and on. We know all this stuff. So, uh, some of us were uh, going to try to celebrate our uh, first day at the tower tonight, and uh, I got some silver weed. And uh, was wondering if you could get us some uh, wine or ale and uh, maybe uh, even host us uh, since you're in the inn and, uh, instead of the uh, students' quarters. Uh, I'm the oldest, but uh, I'm too young for them to sell to me uh, here in the city. Um, you can bring the dragon lady, too. What, uh, what do you say? I think we're busy tonight. Maybe another time. Oh, come on, man. I ain't got the time, man. 
All right, dude, listen. We're uh, we're friends, right? Sure. Okay, man. Um, uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm trying to impress that dark elf. And I uh, was hoping to get some drink to uh, get her to come. Uh, you know, she's, uh, she's uh, how do you say, uh, exotic. You know what they say about dark elves? I don't. Once you go drow, nothing else will you plow. Damn. Okay, so how about this? You give me, I'll hook you up with alcohol, but you got to give me some sort of like money for me to get it. Sound good? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could definitely do that, man. Um, let me uh, let me go back and uh, c- can you hang out here for a second? I'm going to go go talk to uh, my friends and, and try to get some money together. Sure, man. He uh, kind of like does this fast walk over to uh, some of the others that were like hanging off to the side that uh, you came in on the boat with. You see him talking to them and, you know, they kind of look excited and uh, you see them start giving Flynn money. And then about a minute later, he comes back, hands you a sack. There's a hundred gold in here. Um, I know that's probably a lot more than what it's worth, but uh, get what you can carry. That'd be awesome. And then whatever's left, uh, you can keep. You got it. Thanks a lot, man. It is this really awesome. You're you're a good dude. Yep. I go and start walking over to what I know where the alcohol place is. The yeah, local I mean, ABC store. <laughs> um yeah, I mean the, you know that there's probably like you know, you could probably go to the inn uh that you're staying at and get it or any other inn. You know, they would have like uh, kegs of ale and bottles of wine and even bottles of spirits so yeah there's there's no like fantasy red dot in the olive insight <laughs> okay yeah i'll just go to the hotel and uh buy like 70 golds worth of alcohol whoa so um Ch- it's chet working at the desk again he says 70 gold worth of alcohol is there anything in particular particular you would like uh nothing in particular give me what you think is good <laughs> um so he comes back and uh he has one bottle of wine and says uh this is our finest vintage it is a hilldale halfling red that is more than 50 years old it comes from the hilldale region of marilash as the name implies it was pressed by the feet of adolescent halflings to reduce the pressure on the seeds and skins of the grapes. It results in less tannins, but also less wine, hence the price. It has hints of cherry, grass, and oak. Okay. Um how like uh how much are the cheaper alcohols besides that one? Uh, I'm probably going to get that one, but how much are the other ones? He gives you a slight look and you can tell that uh it's uh, kind of distasteful for him to be discussing price and uh, you asking for lower price products and says, well, our cheapest bottle of wine is five gold pieces. That's our Ballad Farms Elderberry Hill. It's popular with our guests from the countrysides. Can I get uh, about uh, six of those? Why, certainly. What would you like to spend the other 40 gold pieces on? Um, we just have, make it two more bottles and then nothing else. 
Okay, so you're getting eight bottles of wine? Yeah, eight bottles and the uh, vintage. <laughs> Those kids are going to be pissed, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, what do they know? They don't know how much it's worth. I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've they've been they they know like what stuff's worth, man. That'd be like even if you're 16 years old, you know, like a, a 22 of Bud Light's not thirty dollars. That's true. So like, hmm. uh, you get some bottles of spirits or a keg or something like that. Yeah. How much is a keg? I'm assuming you're looking for a budget choice as well on the L. Our cheapest is Conley Light. That would be 30 gold pieces. Yeah, can I get uh, two kegs? Absolutely. Sorry for making you run around. So um, he comes out and he's got uh, basically uh, what would be considered like pony kegs to us. Yeah, he's got two of those and says, uh, would you like these delivered to your room? Um, no, thanks. I'll just carry them with me. Thanks. I go on and hand them the gold. Thank you. Will there be anything else? No, sir. That's it. Uh, I'll go and tip them five gold. Why, thank you. Just let us know if there's anything we can do to make your stay more pleasurable. Yep. I go and walk away with the kegs to where the kids are. Okay, let's say by now it's, uh, we'll say like 7 o'clock at night and it's starting to get dark. Are you just going to like walk in with these or are you going to like try to stealth them in? So where are we meeting? Do we ever, like do I know where he's just chilling? Uh, you know that they're in the students' quarters. Okay, um, can I just, uh, can I just leave them in my room and then like bring one of the guys to go get them? Yeah. Because like... So you're taking them to your room and then you're going down to the students' quarters to, to get them to come pick them up? Yeah. Let's say you walk down to the uh, the students' quarters and you ask around and you find uh, Flynn's room. And I knock. So you knock on the door and uh, Flynn uh, opens the door and he's like, Hey, Venom, my man, did you get the stuff? I did. I need uh, one or two of you guys to come get it. Yeah, man, uh, we can totally do that. Uh, thanks for hooking us up. Uh, we're going to be hanging out down at the docks tonight if uh, you want to come hang out. Sure. I'll go and bring him over then. Well, I'll probably come over after you guys come get the alcohol. Oh, uh, that'd be great, man. So uh, we're just, uh, we'll follow you back to the inn. Yeah. So we'll say that uh, they go up there and uh, you guys get to the inn. And they're like, it's uh, Flynn and the um, the dwarven uh, girl um, who was on the boat with you. And uh, they pick up the kegs and Flynn says, man, I really, really appreciate this. You're, you're doing me a solid. Um, and uh, that invitation's still open, man. Uh, we're going to be down by the docks uh, for most of the night. You should really come and like hang out and be friendly and get to know everybody. Yeah, I'll probably stop by. It's great, man. And then uh, he like sticks out like uh, his fist. I bump it with my fist. He's like, ah, yeah, man, yeah. All right, man, we'll be d- down by the docks. Come hang out. Yep. We're supposed to cast shocking grasp on him, dude. What? 
Instead of bro-fisting him, man, you cast Shocking Grasp. I don't know about that one. He can take 10 damage, he'll be fine. I don't feel like he'd look that kindly to it, because like, I feel like it actually hurt a lot. I don't know, man. Think about this. He's probably like a first-level wizard and <laughs> nature. I don't know that he'd have 10 hit points. <laughs> might, might knock him unconscious or kill him. All right, so uh, they leave, and uh, you guys are back. I'm, I'm assuming, Juliet, you're back at the end as uh, well? Uh, yes. So uh, what are you guys doing now? I go knock on Juliet's door. Oh, yes. Hi. Can I help you with something? Yeah, so uh, I hooked up these kids with alcohol. They're having like a party down at the docks with all the uh, first years. And I'm probably going to try and stop by and see if I can get some uh, hookups in the in our grade to try and, I don't know, figure out ways to infiltrate the place. Uh... Well, mostly just to make friends, but uh, never know whenever they're going to come handy. Never know when there'll be tools for me to use. <laughs> Hello, Tool. Well, uh, I'd love to help you out there, but... Well, I guess one night. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, do you have a plan for getting out once you get down there? What do you no mean? No idea what these kids are gonna do. That's true, they are dumb. I'm probably not gonna try and stay for like, the entire night. Doesn't take the whole night. Oh no, they make poor decisions. You could always have Juliet text you around uh, 9 o'clock to see if you need an out. Yeah, I've got a family emergency. Well, invitation's open. I'm probably just going to go hop down there real quick. I go and start walking away. Hold on. Yeah? You're not going out dressed like that, are you? Not that you mention it. Uh, I guess I just switch into people clothes. Yeah, no one needs to know that you're a mage because, well, it'll look poorly once they find who you are. And blow or cover, so don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I go and change and start walking over. Alright, so uh, you are walking down to the docks, and Juliet, uh, you're staying behind in the room? Uh, yes, Juliet is going to take notes and start reading up on all this magic stuff. And then we'll just share the notes afterwards. And he can get all the friends. I'll get all the information. It'll it'll be like clockwork. You know, uh, one thing that you haven't done either is um, look at uh, all the maps and information that uh, you were given to uh, by uh, Steph. Oh, I thought we were just given the map. No, you were given maps. You were given passwords. You were given uh, maps for the interior of the tower. Gotcha. Okay, then that stuff is worth studying up on. Yeah, so, uh, then th- that, that is what Juliet's going to focus on, because most of this first-year stuff, this first-day stuff, might be a little too simplistic. Yeah, there's there's some cantrips and first-level spells uh, that you're seeing that uh, even though that you haven't cast them before, you look at them and you're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, this makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So um, you're going to look at... Um, you're going to pull out some of the stuff from the uh, leather case um, that Steph, the Archmage, gave you back at uh, Ares Goldsmith's uh, mansion. And you're going to uh, see a like a password list 
with like levels on it with uh, all the passwords to get into each level because you realize that you know her being an archmage she would probably have access to all the levels and have all the passwords for those levels um, for the elevator and the tower and as far as you can see on the map it appears that the elevator is the only way to get like up and down the tower you don't see anything like stairwells or anything like that. You're gonna notice that your goal is on the ninth sub-level of the tower and it's called the Citadel. You're going to see like the, the immediate floors above that uh, appear to be like uh, dungeons um, for like, uh, that are heavily warded. So you think um, these dungeons would be like where they take someone who's like a like a dangerous magical user or, you know, some sort of like a magical being, like a elemental or something like that, uh, if they needed to like interrogate or like keep somebody on. And that fills up like sub-level six through eight. Um, think Azkaban from Harry Potter. That's pretty much what this is. And then on okay. sub-level sub five is, uh, appears to be like a storage for like rare components. Um, so like if you had something that was like, I don't know, air elemental tears or something like that, <laughs> um, that's where they could be found. And then on sub levels one through four, um, they're going to be, uh, the magical bestiary where they keep, uh, probably magical beasts, uh, for study floors, uh, two through nine, uh, would be the floors below your classroom. And those are the magical libraries. Floors 10 through 20 are classrooms. Floors 21 through 30 are manufactories, uh, gardens, and mundane components. So this would be like where they're creating uh, magical items. Um, 31 through 34 are administrative offices. And it appears that the uh, the rest of the floors are um, kind of like, uh, like housing and mundane stuff like that until uh, you get to the 100th floor, which is um, the governmental offices, the, uh, the tower governance who uh, rule this island. And you've even got access to that. Wow, I'll have to talk with them about spell neutrality. <laughs> the mages of Suhel are complaining because <laughs> the tower is throttling magic and spells take twice as long to cast. And uh, Big Magic's paying school kids to write fake petitions to the tower saying magic should be throttled to uh, spur new metamagic feats that'll improve spell casting. <laughs> you've got that. Uh, you've got the passwords for all the levels. You even got information about um, the guards in the city as far as like where the, their headquarters is, uh, where they've got basically like precincts and um, like what the beats are. Uh, patrol schedules, stuff like that. Wow, nice. So you're basically set up. Perfect. So I guess we'll say that uh, you spend uh, most of the night studying that and then studying uh, like the spell book and the, uh, the primers that you were given. Yeah, yeah. So let's switch over to Shane. So Shane, you walk down to the docks district. And you see a group of probably 14 or 15 people. You know, you notice uh, 
everybody from the boat and even the uh, the drow woman is here and she appears to be uh, drinking uh, out of a bottle of uh, wine it looks like uh, they have the same idea that you did and they're all in you know street clothes albeit very fine robes uh, clothes um, but yeah they changed out of their um, their school gear as well okay uh, I just want to point out something uh, I've come to the realization that this uh, this situation is pretty much just 21 Jump Street mixed with Hogwarts <laughs> well I mean you're not guards I mean if you're a guard you gotta tell them what? 21 Jump Street they were cops they were which would make you like in this world they would make you the guards but they're trying to infiltrate the school to get information and stuff i think it's more like like what is never been kissed drew barrymore is like 30 years old and she's back in high school or strangers with candy something but i digress as you walk up to uh the docks uh flynn uh sees you and he's like hey fennel it's awesome you could make it dude she come over here and uh, grab you some ale. And then uh, he uh, takes a cup and uh, holds it out and waves you over. I go and grab it. He uh, goes over and uh, they've got uh, the uh, keg tapped. And he's like, come on, man, get some. I go and fill up my cup. So uh, you, after you fill up your cup, uh, Flynn says, hey, can I get everybody's attention? Here's the man to thank for our celebration tonight. He's the one that helped us out and and got us all this alcohol. Uh, this is Fennel, and uh, he's a pretty righteous dude. Everybody starts clapping, and they all say, Thanks, Fennel. I do like an awkward wave. <laughs> Flynn goes, uh, So how's it going, man? Settling on all right? How's the end? Is it nice? Yeah, it's a nice place. Just chilling around. Cool, man. Cool, cool. So, what do you, what do you think about school so far? Easiest thing ever. I know, right? So far. I know. So, uh, have you have you met everybody? Uh, not quite. So he says, uh, "Come over here. I want to introduce you to somebody." And uh, he walks you over to the drow that he's been trying to impress, and he's like. Hey man, this is uh, this is Tress. Uh, she's really cool, man. Uh, have you guys met? And the drow's like, "No, we have not." I'm Tress Dulrich, and you are Fennel, is that right? You got it. Thanks for the alcohol. It's not like I couldn't have gotten myself, but I've been trying to—I don't know—fit in more. It's kind of hard for us drow, you know, the racism and. Well, our reputation. Reasonable. So what do you think of the towers so far? It's pretty interesting. All the different levels having different uh, different usages. Stuff like that. Yeah, I don't really know much about the tower other than it has a library in the classrooms. And I hear that they make magical items in here. But I don't know what floor that's on. Yeah, me neither. I would love to see it, though. I want to be an enchanter, and most of my studies will be focused on that. Insert awkward silence. <laughs> You're like staring at your feet. She's like, maybe we could pull a prank sometime and 
Maybe go up to one of the floors late at night and see what's in there. Yeah. We just have to find someone with the password. I'm sure we can figure it out. Excellent. I'll ask around myself. Just let me know if you find anything. Same to you. And uh, about that time, a uh, young uh, male elf comes over. You remember he was in, uh, he's also with a uh, female dwarf that uh, they were talking together on the boat. And um, he comes over and introduces himself and says, I'm Shandar Moonbeam, and this is Iridel Ironseeker. Thank you for getting the wine in L. I'm young for a human, much less an elf. There's no way they would have sold to me here. Yeah. So what's your story? Um, uh, family, pretty prestigious. Uh, they didn't quite want me over there. They wanted me to be doing something better than just sitting around, um, uh, not really advancing myself. So they taught me uh, magic whenever I was young and now they're sending me here to hopefully become an esteemed wizard. Yes. You know how that is. I try to get out from underneath my family as soon as possible. I mean, I'm only 20 years old. I mean, I'm a baby for an elf. But I wanted to learn as soon as I can to become as powerful as I can. And then uh, the female dwarf pipes up and says, Yeah, I kind of just wanted to get away from my family too. And I had some talent for this, so I thought, and they had all kinds of money, so I said, well, why not? Yeah. So she says, and who is your family? Where are you from? I might know them. I'm so tired of all these complicated names, man. <laughs> You're Fen Fennel Hatch. You're the eldest son of a wealthy merchant in Dormoth. I express that. <laughs> She says, I don't really know anyone in Dormoth. That's kind of a far away from Mountain Home. That's where I'm from. Hell, I'm basically on the other side of the world. Crazy. So she kind of senses uh, things are awkward, and she says, Well, have a good night. I, I think we're going to go over by the water and watch the sunset. I go on walk away. You are the worst partier I've ever seen. I don't know. I'm a very awkward person. You're a bard. How are you an awkward person? <laughs> no, me as a person. Oh, I gotcha. Oh, uh, it all makes sense now. So, um, the chubby male halfling that you saw on the boat comes up to you while you're talking to them and says, um, Hey, uh, uh, earlier today when I saw you at the tower, you, you had a flute with you. Are you a musician, a bard? Yeah, I was uh, trained in music since I was young. Oh, that's awesome. I don't suppose you brought it with you. I did. I could play something if you want. Oh, that would be awesome. Hey, everybody. Fennel's a bard, too, and he's going to play for us. <laughs> uh, is there, like, uh, something to stand on? Oh, yeah, there's boxes, uh, like crates and stuff uh, that are, like, empty, that are just, like, hanging out on the docks that haven't been disposed of yet. Super. I'm just going to jump on a box and just pull out my flute. Wait, well, I'm probably not, I'm probably not carrying my bagpipes. I guess I'm pulling out my flute. And uh, I'll roll my thing. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> so I get, like, what, a plus two? Yeah. Or something. 
So that's a seven. I don't get no proficiency. Well, I do get proficiency, so it's plus four. Plus two for from uh, proficiency, plus two from uh, the magical item. So that's a total of nine? I believe so. Okay, so what kind of tune are you playing? I don't know, probably something uh, tempo-y. All right, so um, you uh, play the tune on your flute, and you get done. You know, they all start clapping. Give me a uh, inside check. Yeah. 21. Okay, so with an inside of 21, have you ever been to, like a, like, a coffee shop or, like, a bar that's got, like, an open mic night? Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. You know, somebody gets up there and, you know, they play something and it's like, it's passable, but it's like not, not great. You, you clap anyway, because you're like, Hey, you know, that's awesome. You know, you, you have the courage to get up there and, and put yourself out in front of all these people. So, you know, good for you, champ. It's, it's that kind of clap. Yeah. You get done. No, nobody's like, you know, requesting like anything else. <laughs> Yeah. The uh, three girls that you met earlier on the boat, they come up and uh, they introduce, uh, the oldest one introduces uh, them and they say, I'm Betsy and this is Beatrix. Uh, she says uh, about like the, the middle one, he would be the Jan. And then Bethany uh, Sullivan, she would be the, like the youngest. So she's the, the Cindy. She says, do you have any other talents? You know, the flute was good, but do you know any stories? Yeah, I know a few. Can I roll like a check or something? Um, yeah. So, well, um, yeah, roll a uh, performance check. Okay. Or would I just intrinsically know from being a bard, a lore bard? Yeah, you would. If you're a lore bard, you would know, like, uh, I guess, all kinds of stories. Okay, I'll just express uh, one of the ones that I would have on hand or just like pops into mind. Okay, so um, you just start telling uh, the story and give me a performance check. 21. You, like, nail this. You're doing impressions and voices and sound effects. And, uh, you know, you get done and, and everybody's clapping. This is much more enthusiastic. You can tell they really liked it. Yep. All right. People come up and, you know, all the people in your class come up and introduced themselves uh, because they hadn't really talked to you or met you. Um, the Melnome who was on the boat that was pestering the helmsman uh, comes up and introduces himself as uh, Wesson Widget Smith. You know, he starts talking your ear off about the tower and, uh, you know, how he can't wait to progress in levels so I can see this and this and this and this in the tower. And he seems to know like everything there is to, to know about the tower. Um, that he has studied it. You know, he's telling you all these stories about, you know, previous governments, the politics of the tower, you know, who's running the tower right now, you know, what's on all the levels and, you know, what they're for. You think this guy is like the, the go-to like resource, you know, for finding out anything that you want to know about the tower. And he is more than willing to, to talk about it. Actually, you, you probably can't get him to shut up. Yeah, so I thought. The night progresses on, and let's say you're down there for, you know, like an hour and a half or two hours, and people are, like, starting to get really drunk. Some of the smaller 
ones like the gnome and the halfling are like leaving because it's just they, they can't drink anymore and it's getting late so they head on back to the students quarters after about like two hours the only people left are going to be like you uh the drow the uh dwarf and uh flynn flynn comes up to you and he's like think uh i'm gonna call it a night man I, re I really can't thank you enough for like helping us out man you really did us a solid yeah man yeah man if uh, anybody asked where you got the alcohol you didn't know me oh no way man i won't knock you out man but uh thanks so much and uh i'm gonna head on back and then uh he uh yells over to uh the drought he's like uh tress i'm gonna head on back to the uh to my room uh you want to come and she says uh i'll be going back to the students quarters but i will not be coming to your room flynn and he's like oh no that's not what i'm getting at i was just just want to know like if you wanted to like you know come by and maybe we could talk and uh she's like i i know what that means flynn and then uh she takes off uh walking back uh towards the uh where the students quarters was you see flynn uh tell after her so it's like uh you and the dwarf the dwarf is just you could tell like she's trying to kill the the one remaining keg that's left you can take what's left of the keg if you want she's like yeah but I can't get it back in. The, I can't take it back to the room. You're right. Um, I gotta smuggle can, it in in my belly. <laughs> I can just keep it with me until you want it or something. Like, I'm not much of a drinker. And uh, she belches. Uh, I, I got this. I got it. I got it. There's only like a quarter of it left. I go and grab the keg and start walking back. Uh, I'm gonna take this. She's like, "What are you doing?" What are you doing? I'm taking the alcohol uh, away. I got it, though. I fill her cup and then uh, start going away. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess you're right. I can't be too too hungover tomorrow on my, on my second day. All right. All right. All right. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow, Fennel. Yep. See you. You see her head back towards the uh, students' quarters and... We'll say you make it back to the uh, to the end. Yep. So by now it is probably like eleven thirty, and uh, as you're going in, you see uh, Alunidas and uh, Talia walking down the street before you go into the inn. I see Talia and uh, who? Alunidas. Are they just walking regularly? <laughs> Yeah, they don't appear to be running or, like, you know, doing the Skyrim stealth crouch or anything. <laughs> I go ahead and uh, try and walk up to them. Uh, they're, they're probably a good 100 yards away from you. You'd probably have to run to catch up to them. Okay, I'll just walk then. Uh, back to the inn? Yeah. Okay. So you're walking through the, uh, the front door and... Chet's there, and you see him give like a knowing glance to you as you're uh, carrying the keg with you through the uh, entry. He gave me a nod, or just looked at me. Uh, like a nod and a knowing glance. <laughs> I nod back and just uh, walk to my room. All right, you're in your room. I go and put away the keg and do like a like a tiny review of like what we went over over the course of the day. Uh, Juliet, give me a perception check. Got it. 
too. <laughs> you don't know nothing. Pass I never will. All right. So, uh, is there anything else you want to do tonight? I think I'm good. Uh, Juliet. I'm studying away. I guess finish the studies. Nope. That's uh, pretty much it. Okay. So, uh, you going to sleep for the night? I am. Should I go on to secret? Yes, you should. <laughs> Let's do this again. Ten. With a ten, you are going to have the same dream that you had the night before, um, but you remember a little bit more about it. You remember that there's screaming and blood and a baby. You also remember this presence that seems like incredibly feral and hungry that is somewhere in a room where you are that's like really dimly lit and it's just like oppressive and filling this room and it, it seems dark and evil and then you hear uh, a baby cry and then stop crying abruptly okay all right we're back guys welcome back you uh wake up the next morning to you know knocks on the door it's your wake up call 30 minutes later you hear a knock again and it's your uh, breakfast carts just like clockwork perfect they do have a clock you're very proud of it <laughs> it's like big doings man that is pretty fancy i guess the the next morning you're going back to the tower yep yep get everything sorted out all our books together all our clothes we got this you go to the tower and um this time, Juren's not there to open the door for you, but as uh, you approach the door, before you even like reach out your hand to uh, open it, it opens by itself. Uh, give me a wisdom check. Yep. Do you want me to keep rolling low? Yes. God damn it. 13, that's okay. Alexander had a 17. So, Alexander, you think uh, probably the sigils that you were given are responsible for like opening these doors because you have seen like people go up to the doors and they, they actually like have to um, knock um, and then someone opens the door and greets them okay I go on express this uh, Julia interesting I'll tell you about a little plan I might have with that information later you get into the elevator and, uh, you know, you use uh, the method that you used before. There's nobody else in here with you. So you say 10 and the word cantrip and you're taken to the classroom. You know, it's the, the same uh, person there before, Enchanter Klein, waits for you to take your seats. And uh, she talks and, you know, for probably the, the first half of the day, you're, it's pretty much the same with your studies. Um, you begin learning the proper way of using your hands and basic somatic forms and the magical alphabet. And you spend a lot of time practicing how to write. And uh, the instruction goes fast and Klein is quick to correct and reprimand uh, people who don't get it right. But not in a mean way, but um, you can tell she doesn't suffer fools. And then um, she begins to start talking about the library how it's divided into uh, levels. And she says that, you know, we're going to be visiting the library, uh, the first floor of the library today, which you'll have access 
uh, to in the beginning of your learnings. And then she starts talking about how the library works and, you know, saying on the, the first floor of the library, which is actually the second floor of the tower, uh, she says that it's basically like history. That part of your study is going to be learning about, you know, the history of uh, basically uh, the world of uh, Suel. Um, and then on third of floor is like current events and by current probably within like the past 100 years is what they mean fourth floor is like geography fifth floor is magical theory and history sixth is uh, theology and religion seventh is uh, beasts and mundane and magical uh, eighth is technology state-of-the-art technology in here is what they would be learning how to like use steam which uh, the the gnomes have been uh, using for uh, just like the past 10 years. It's a new discovery. And uh, the ninth level of the library is where all the uh, spell books are kept. So later that day, uh, she takes you to the, uh, the uh, first floor of the library, uh, the history uh, section, and you know, shows you where everything is. Um, you know, all the different sections. Um, she, you know, teaches you how to use, like, I guess would be their card catalog system. Um, and then she says uh, that you'll have, like, the, the next two hours of the day um, to um, search around the, and get familiar with all the different um, parts of uh, this level of the library. So basically, right now on the second floor, anything that you want to know about Suell, at this point, you've got access to it. So is there anything that you want to look for in the library or are you just going to browse around until uh, it's time to go home? I don't I know. Browse. Yeah, browsing. What you browse for? I don't know. I don't have anything particular that I'm trying to... I mean, does it have information on uh, like the tower itself? Yeah, you'd be able to find a, a book on the history of the tower. Yeah, I'd like to look for that. Okay, um... Give me a, an investigation check at the uh, card catalog. Yep. 21. Blackjack. Yeah, you just, like, you, you go right to the drawer and, like, flip your finger through it and land right on it. So, uh, we'll say that uh, you know where it is and you find it. And it's called Easy The enough. History of the Tower. Crazy. I'm just going to start reading. All right. Anything in uh, particular that you want to know? Uh, not really. Just glancing through it. Okay, let's say that you spend the uh, the next two hours uh, with this book, and uh, you see a lot of the things that uh, what's his name, Widget Wright, the the mel or the gnome that was at the docks, uh, was talking about. So you think he probably got a lot of information out of this book, or he had access to it? Okay. And Juliet, what do you want to do? I thought you'd never ask. Juliet is going to try and find two kinds of books. I don't know if she's going to be able to study more than one, but the first one is going to be about, or I guess about how magic was discovered or used or whatnot beyond a basic sense. Like, oh, they wrote something down and it was magical. No, 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 no. How did they figure out how to write the thing down in the first place? Was it learned by dragons? Did the gods descend and say, here, take Icarus, Icarus's wings because he burned up on another planet? So, uh, I, I don't know. 
that's that's the first set of stuff. And the second set of stuff I would be looking for is information on, I guess, mythology, especially concerning Ruin. Or Runaxis, I suppose, is the polite way in our group. All right. So let's start with the second one first. <clears throat> sure. So uh, the second one, you find all kinds of like source material on Ruinaxis. Um, there must be probably at least 50 books um, that you can find um, that uh, have to deal with like certain aspects of, you know, where she came from, you know, why she was pissed off, why she started this war with humanity. Um, there are, you know, plenty of books from different historians that talk about basically what happened in the wake of her attacking this city or attacking that city. Um, you know, and those authors are talking about from the perspective of, you know, what happened in a particular city or some different, you know, aspect of, you know, why she attacked that city. Um, there's also plenty of books on, you know, um, her minions basically that were working with her and um, basically all the aberrant races um, and uh, beasts, intelligent beasts that were working with her. There's all kinds of books on, you know, the saviors and them banishing her to, you know, the abyssal plane. And there's even books that are um, speculative treaties on, you know, what they think is, you know, happening or happened to ruin, you know, after she got on the plane based on, you know, what all these wizards know about the abyssal plane. So the first book that she asked about, um, about where magic came from, um, you're seeing some stuff, but they seem like kind of like really basic and they talk about some theories, but like nothing like, you know, specifically, let's say that you go to a, one of the librarians and you're asking about it and, um, the, uh, woman, uh, working at the desk says, well, a lot of that wouldn't be in this section. That would probably be in religion and theology, which you're a first year, right? Yes. Hmm. You probably, you don't have access to that yet, but if that's something that you're really interested in, maybe talk to your instructor and see if you can maybe get like special access to it. It's more of a second year thing. Oh, well, maybe that'll give me a step up in class. I'm always eager to learn. Uh, thank you very much for the information. Yes, yes. Good luck to you. You're not going to have, um, you know, you've only got probably two hours in here. So yeah, if yeah. you're, if you know, you're probably skimming through that and it takes you like 30 minutes to, to figure out it doesn't have exactly what you're looking for. And then mm -hmm. if you try to look at the ruin books, I mean, you're, you're probably going to have to like pick like one specific topic and, you know, maybe like flip through it. Yeah, well, we have plenty of time to do research and stuff in the coming days. All right, so uh, is there anything, uh, let's say that uh, you're done for the day, and um, you could stick around, but uh, class is over. In terms of people who are in the class, trying to find who the most studious student is in the class, or at least from what I'm able to tell. Give me a... Uh... I guess it'd be an insight check or a perception. I'll let you do either one. All right. I'll head for insight. 
A 20 total. Okay, so um, from like the bits and pieces that you've like picked out in conversations and like looking around the the room to see who's like most attentive and taking notes, uh, you would think that uh, the gnome Wesson Widget Smith uh, would probably be the like most studious in the class. Definitely the most like intellectually curious. Perfect time to make buddy buddy. So you're going to go try to find him? He's in the library. Oh, perfect. I'll try and find him as quietly as possible. Doesn't take much. I mean, there's, you know, probably, you know, 20 people in this library and half of you are you first years. And um, you go, like, looking through the stacks. And um, after about the, the fifth one that you uh, um, are walking across, uh, you look over and Wesson is sitting cross-legged in the uh, floor, and he has a stack of about ten books, and uh, he's, like, uh, reading one right now and just, like, flipping through it. I am going to see if I can approach and where I can see the spines of the books to see what exactly he's researching at the moment. Okay, so it looks like... Um, give me a uh, investigation check. All right, so um, some of the writing on these are, like, too small to see from where you're standing. You're probably about 10 feet away. You know, from what you can read on it, uh, they seem to be, like, wildly varied. You know, there's uh, books on, uh, like, world history. Um, There's uh, books on uh, mythology. There's books on politics. Uh, There's books on uh, governmental theory. There's books on engineering, uh, th- but those are just what you you know can see. But he's got like ten of them, and they're stacked up, and he's just like like flipping through. And there's actually there's like two piles, so he's got like a pile of uh, like five on one side of him, and, and a pile on four. And you think like the four is the discard pile. All right, Juliet is going to approach him from the side so she's still visible but not just walking in front of him because that's kind of silly and uh she's going to look over to him and i I guess even kneeling down she's probably still taller than him but she's gonna wave a little bit and uh quietly say hello and he's gonna say whoa yeah (laughs) you startled me hey what's going on yorish well i couldn't help but notice that you're the most frantic studier I've seen in the entire class, and it's quite impressive, honestly. I just wanted to get to know you. Maybe we could do some collaborative projects at some point. Oh, absolutely. That that sounds fun. I noticed you have a wide variety of subjects here. Is there anything in particular you're studying right now? Oh, no. Just this and that. I was just browsing the, the stacks at random, and you know, found this that caught my eye and that that caught my eye. I'm interested in a lot of things. Best way to learn. A little bit of everything. How about you? What, what, what are you interested in? You know, I'm absolutely fascinated by all of these myths and theories surrounding magic, and particularly how it's been used by the greater powers, the deities and the vile monsters. I particularly enjoy the stories about Runaxis and uh, her, maybe not demise, but certainly how they were able to seal her away. Oh yeah, the the saviors. Wow, they were they were great. I mean, they're probably the most powerful wizards that ever walked Sue L. 
I'd like to be like them one day, but uh, for now we'll start here, right? <laughs> Wouldn't we all? But we got to start somewhere, right? Exactly. Where can I find you, anyway? Uh, you probably live in the student dorms, right? Oh yeah, you can find me. I'm I'm over on the second floor with the the first years. I'm the third room on the right. Why don't you come by sometime and we'll talk? That sounds great. Let me know if you need any help in class, or if I need help, can I come to you? Oh, absolutely. Excellent. I'll leave you be, since I know you're studying and such, but we'll, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, and, and if I don't see you tonight, you know, if you don't stop by, then I guess I'll see you tomorrow in class. I think I'm going to wrap it up for the night and go get some dinner. I'll talk to you later. The uh, the gnome widget uh, smith uh, says goodbye to uh, Yorish, um, and you guys are let out of class, and you're free for the rest of the night. So uh, probably that's a good place to stop it right there. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dungeons & Debacles podcast. If I could ask a halfling-sized favor, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to support us. New episodes come out every Monday, so make sure to check your podcast app. Do you have an idea to make the podcast better? Tell us about it on Twitter or Facebook. You can also check out our website to see all the maps, lore, and characters at DungeonsAndDebaclesPodcast.com. And now a word from our fantasy sponsor. After a long day in the fields or the mines, all you want to do is visit the tavern with your mates and relax. You need an L that won't fill you up or empty your purse. Ask your barkeep for a Conley Light. It's made by Master Dwarven Brewers with the finest ingredients from the Plains Nation. It's a refreshing crisp L that will quench your thirst. And you can feel good about drinking tankard after tankard without that full feeling you get from other L's. So you can keep going all night. For better times at a better price, Conley Light. The music you heard on this episode was Metaphysics, For Origins, Water Prelude, The Teller of the Tales, Minstrel Guild, The Snow Queen, Ossuary 6, Air, and Village Consort by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. You can find that at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.